Well, yay. Thank you so much for battling the rain, and uh, we're so thankful that you're here. Uh, my name is Hector, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I'm just so excited that you're here today. Um, so last week, we were talking about breaking glass walls, and we're going to be talking about it again today. And so I'm excited about um, this message because I think that this is actually at, at the root of a lot of what our church is about. Um, one of our, our things that we say here is no perfect people, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today, and um, it's going to be a fun time. So let me just kind of recap where we've been. So we were talking about glass walls. What are glass walls? They're things that are standing in the way that are, that are holding us back from relationships with others. And so last week we talked about the glass wall of overlooking. And we look specifically at, at age gaps and, and how in the generation gap, sometimes we tend to overlook each other and how we can use a lot of those same tools to not overlook each other in, in other communities. But today we're going to be talking about a different glass wall. And this one's the glass wall of reputation. So we're going to be talking about uh, being beyond the reputation, being beyond the reputation. And so first, I'd just like to ask anybody ever do, done something that you're absolutely not proud of? That you're just simply not, I, I'm, I am too, and if there's anybody that's around you that's not raising their hand, they might be a liar. Um, no, it, it's just, it's our lives, whether you were five years old, or, or you were 30 years old, or you were 50 years old, like, no matter where you land, we've all done things that we're not proud of. Quite a few years ago for me, what actually ended up happening was that uh, I used to, uh, by the way, I totally looked at this side last week, and so I'm going to be looking at this side exclusive. I'm going to start doing this right here, um, and you could just wave at me if I'm not looking. Um, but uh, quite a few years ago, I was actually working at a camp, and um, at this summer camp in Arizona, I lived in Arizona for quite a while, and... Um, and I did this camp like my high school years and my middle school years, and I loved it. It was super fun. So finally, I decided, why not apply and be a part of their staff in the summer? And so I did it. Um, they, they took me in, and I was like one of their mo most recurring employees. I loved going to this camp. It was super fun. And then one year, I wasn't asked back. Now, let me tell you, the year before was not necessarily my best year. Um, the year before, I had... Uh, crashed a golf cart. Um, I had uh, kicked down a, a door in one of our cabins. I wrecked a second golf cart. I'm not good with golf carts, apparently. Um, and then the last thing that I did was I, I started a, a late night dance party with a bunch of our staff members in the main auditorium, which, you know, kept us up and we were really tired the next day. Um, so this wasn't my year and I was very much asked not to come back. And, um, and that was kind of a weird year for me, um, the year after, because you know, some of my relationships just went radio silent. And, you know, another year passes and I start hearing kind of murmurs of some things that weren't necessarily true about the situation. And so a couple years after, the new director comes to me and, and says, hey, let's, let's grab coffee. And so we, we chatted and had a great time at, at coffee. Um, I had apologized for where, where I needed to apologize. I owned what I needed to own. We moved on and he actually invited me back. And it got me thinking, what about all those years that I wasn't contacted, though? Like, what about the time that I didn't spend going to that camp? What, what happened that stopped this conversation that we had had from happening years prior? And it all kind of came down to one thing, and it was this. It was my reputation. Because, you see, in the details of the stories, 
was reasonings and understandings of why these things even happened. I remember sitting across from my director, and he was like, wait, that happened? Wait, this happened? I'm like, yeah. You didn't hear about any of this? He's like, no. And so what was interesting was the only thing that he knew me by was what he had heard and what my reputation was. And so it got me really thinking that a lot of the times, this is us, right? Because in the moment, I, I'm not saying that I didn't do anything wrong, but I, I, what I am saying is whatever he knew was not necessarily a full depiction of who I was. But for some reason, what I came to be known by was my worst moments. But I was much more than that. And unfortunately, my reputation was merely a summary of my worst moments. Have you ever felt like that? Like your reputation doesn't actually give an accurate depiction of your life? Maybe your reputation is, is way too good and, and you feel like you just can't be real with people. You know, like your reputation is way better than you are and, and you feel like you walk into rooms and you're, you're just trying not to mess up. You're trying not to get found out. Or maybe it's way worse. And instead it's the other direction where you feel like nobody really wants to get to know you. Nobody, nobody really understands you or even cares to understand who you are because of your reputation. I mean, if you think about it, reputation is, is so important to our lives. They have so many aspects to, to our lives. Like bad ones can, can lead to lack of opportunities, lack of job opportunities, exclusion. And sometimes in the worst cases, we even end up believing those reputations. So we get to these points where we either give up on having a good reputation or on the other hand, we fear getting a bad one. You ever dealt with this one? Like we have to go to this event or they're going to think that we're flaky. Babe, we've got to go to this event, and, and we've got to be on time, or else they th they're going to think we don't care. Or, or even, we've got to make sure that the kids start acting up, or they're going to think we're bad parents. They'll think. They'll think. I find it interesting that they, we always say they'll think, not they'll know. Why? Because I believe that inherently, we actually know that we can't be known because of one moment, trait, or circumstance. But we do know that we can be judged for it. And unfortunately, then, we've got to live with it. But the actual truth is, we are all so much more than our worst moments. So there's this story about, about a man, actually, that had a horrible reputation. This man was hated by his community, and, and he was a tax collector. Think IRS agent, but way, way worse. Um, this is like, in this culture, the tax collector would charge much more than the standard tax. And, um, and he would pocket the extra money. Why? Because in that culture, his salary was so low that that's how they made sure that he made money. And so... Um, the government would give him the ability to do this thing where he would just overcharge his own people and the people in his community, and then he would pocket the money. This is what all the tax collectors did. And so that's what made them so wealthy. And this practice was um, something that made him an enemy to his own community, a traitor, if, they, if you will. One day, in that same city where, where, uh, where the tax collector was, 
a man that is highly regarded by the community starts walking through the city. The tax collector was curious about this man. He wanted to get a glimpse of who this man was. So he tries as hard as he can to find out who this man is, and he gets so desperate to just see him, to just get a glimpse of this man, that he climbs this tree. And he climbs the tree, he can see the man, and and the man actually sees him, and instantly he recognizes things about him. Instantly he recognizes his trade. Why? Because at the time, there was a clothing that would go with the amount of wealth that this man would have. As a tax collector, he, he made enough money that he would wear a certain, a certain clothing so, so this man would be able to recognize that in the tax collector. He knew his trade. He also knew his reputation immediately. Why? Because he was hated by the community. His trade was hated by the community. And so he knew these two things just looking at him. But that's not what he saw. What he saw was in person, uh, a person in need of someone who could see past his worst moment. So the man invited himself over and and they had dinner and not much is known about this dinner, but what we do know is it changed the tax collector's life forever. The tax collector um, held a reputation of of being stingy, uncaring, a traitor to his own people. And so they could expect this from him at all times. Well, this wasn't the case. Instead, the, the tax collector, after this conversation with, with this man, expressed extreme generosity to his community, a love for his people that nobody had shown. He gave half of his net worth away and paid back to anybody who he had overcharged four times the amount. This man had, had changed the tax collector's life Forever, and this, this man's name was Jesus, and, and this tax collector's name was Zacchaeus. And you might know this story well, and, and some of you might be hearing this story for the very first time, but I want you to know that I find it interesting in this story that after Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, this is recorded in the story. All the people saw this and began to mutter. Somewhere between reputation and truth lies this thing called the mutter. Who we truly are gets skewed to something that is completely different by way of the mutter. What, What is said and how it spreads about us, here lies the glass wall today. The glass wall of reputation. You see, This is our ability to see past people's reputations and and see what's going on truly inside of them, seeing past some of the things that we hear. And we've, we've all faced these moments where we've gotten caught up in someone's reputation. Or maybe we've we've gotten caught up in ours, or people have gotten caught up caught up in ours. So what can we do about it? Well, I want to give some steps today to being people that can see past the glass wall of reputation. And what are these steps? Well, I'm going to tell you. um, But as we kind of go through each step, we're going to be developing them and talking about how to better relationships and and how to be better people coming out of these steps. And so let's go with the first step already. Um, Take account of your good moments. Take account of your good moments. Uh, Louis, I don't know where you're at, but thank you so much. You, You set up this 
uh, very, very well. You have, this starts with us. This starts with us. We have to know ourselves. We need to know the good about ourselves before we can, we can even look past the, the bad reputation of other people. And this one might seem, might seem a little silly, but I'm actually like super, super serious about taking account of the good moments. Uh, let's start by understanding what a, a negative reputation even is. What is a negative uh, reputation? It's literally this. It's the fact that we naturally, as human beings, tend to veer toward the negative of any situation. And so... Whenever, like, and there's, like, so much brain science behind this stuff. There's so much, like, psychology behind it. But I want to illustrate it this way. Our brains are naturally veered toward the negative. And so we create negative filters in our lives. Do you ever watch the news? Yeah? You can say no. <laughs> but if you do watch the news, you'll, you'll notice something. For some reason, they don't really promote a lot of good news. And if they do, it's like this little tag at the very, very end. You know, like, hey, we got some good news, kind of. But do you actually think there's not any good news out there? Do you? I mean, this past week alone, let me give you some good news to just kind of up your spirit a little bit. Uh, a man uh, that, that was deaf with Down syndrome won gold at the European bench press competition after having two heart surgeries. Something else that happened was years ago, a lawyer and a judge felt like investing their time in this young woman's life that was about to be convicted. So uh, they gave her leniency. And so the leniency in, in the court case ended up um, creating some kind of restoration for her. She was known as a, a dra drug addict and a criminal. This past week, that same woman won her first case in that same courtroom as now an attorney at law. A large company just committed $2.5 billion to building affordable housing in California, and four people received $10,000 just for being named Bacon. Um, <laughs> that was it. And they got $10,000, and I thought about changing my name this last week. Um, but there is good news out there. So why don't we hear about it? Well, because that's not what sells. Unfortunately, that's just not what sells. Why? Because uh, our brains are just, they're, they're wired this way. They're wired in a way that we, we absorb the negatives. We want to take in the negative, yet that's not what we really, really want for our lives. So what, what do we do? We, we take account of the good. We take account of the good. And so this, this is even like a step further. You could go another step and take account of, of good, even in your bad situations. Did you know that even in your bad situations, you can find good intentions? You thought you were doing something good and it ended up bad? Or you got caught up in some misunderstandings? And so even writing some of these things down, this would be so crucial to making sure that we could understand that we're more than just our worst moments. And it's much more than just bad intent. This is practically a shorthand version, if you will, of something that therapists use called cognitive behavioral therapy. And if you want to go look into it, it's really, really cool stuff. But essentially, it's a rewiring of our brain to understanding that there is good in our life, to understanding that even in the bad, there's good. And so this gives us a better picture of who we truly are. We are complex human beings. And this leads to the, the next point. 
See the person, not the figure. See the person, not the figure. Like I said, we're complex people. We, we are not our worst moments, but we live in a culture of cliff notes, shorthand, headlines, uh, TLDR, which means too long, didn't read. Um, this, is, this is the kind of culture that we live in. So why did we need this last practice? Because it actually helps with this next practice, seeing the, the person, not the figure. This next practice needs us to understand that people are just complex. They're complex. And, and so... Why is this important? Because it's actually easier to make somebody a figure. What do I mean by figure? It means um, putting all these attributes on a person and just saying, you are who I think you are. You know, you know the question I dread the most in the community uh, whenever people get to know me is they ask me, what do you do? It's, it's a very scary question as a pastor um, because uh, when I, I meet people for the first time, I'm not kidding. We were actually out to dinner a few weeks ago with, with some friends, and they were introducing us to some new friends. And at some point, um, the new friends, you know, and I know this question is coming every single time. Um, they're like, so what do, you, what do you do? And so, I, you know, I was, I was pretty regular with them. I was like, yeah, I, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, and I'm not kidding, guys. They went from like a little bit of a slouch to like just sitting up a little bit. And I was like, oh gosh, this, here it comes. And, and these are like, every single time it happens. It's like, um, so yeah, I mean, we've been to church before. Um, and, and they start reporting to me all the different times they've gone to, you know, work's just been a lot lately. And we still love Jesus. We've just, you know, we've had a lot of work. And the entire time I'm like, oh yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're like, and you know, uh, I grew up Christian. And, you know, and they start kind of giving you all this like dissertation of their lives spiritually. And as, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, I didn't ask. It's okay. You're good. I'm not reporting you to God. And because I think there's like some understanding there. But uh, like the entire time, I'm just trying to enjoy time with friends and an overpriced burrito. And, um, and the entire time they're, they're reporting to me about, about their, their spiritual life. But this is what reputation will do to us. It, it, may, it creates this figure. And so I, I think you are this way, therefore you are. And um, I think it's interesting because what, what ends up happening is I feel like we create these molds in our life. Um, I don't know if you like personality tests. I, I like them. Um, it's really, really fun to me. Um, but one of the, the personality tests that really gained a lot of traction lately was one called the Enneagram, if you've ever heard about it. The, the premise is just this, that there are nine different personalities and you kind of fit into one of them. And so... Um, and there's like various rules to this thing. Like it's, it's a lot more complex than that, but it's pretty much that. But I would suggest we kind of already do this. We kind of already do this. I think we have molds in our life that most people kind of just fit into. It's kind of like a prototype that we've created for people. And, and I would assume that we, we, or sorry, I would suggest that we assume the rest of somebody's traits based on the little bit we know about them and their reputation. Let me give you some examples. Uh, they like this sport, therefore they might be dot, dot, dot. Or they drive that, therefore they are insert. Or they go to that church, therefore they are dot, dot, dot. It's interesting though. 
Like, this is such a small portion of somebody's reputation, yet we could put them in a mold so quickly. Why? Because I think we see people as figures and characters instead of a person. You see, a person, a person is complex. A person is deep. A a person holds multiple values and facets and stories and intentions in their lives. And our ability to to being able to see past just that, this is is our, our desire for people. There's complexity to people's choices. There's complexity to how they do things. And I think this is what Jesus did in this story. We have to see the person. And this will lead to opening up relationships and conversations with people, which takes us to step three. Expect to be surprised. Expect to be surprised. You see, in this story, Zacchaeus, uh, in this story with Zacchaeus, Jesus allowed him to show who he was instead of determining that for him. No one would have expected the act of kindness that this man was about to give the entire community. He had a terrible reputation, but he was able to, Jesus was able to see past the glass wall of reputation, and he allowed this man the opportunity to surprise the people in the city. How did he do this? Well, by a simple dinner, a simple conversation, a chance. This was the opportunity that Zacchaeus had to surprise everybody. What if we lived our lives in a way that expected people to surprise us with who they really are? I used to work at at Starbucks for a while, and we had a bunch of values that, um, I wasn't a great barista, but um, but I I worked at at this Starbucks, and they, they had all these values. I memorized like none of them, except one, okay? And this one was very important to me. It was assume positive intent. Assume positive intent. This meant creating a non-threatening environment for customers, but I started bleeding this into my entire life. And I loved this value because when you start applying this lens to people, you give so many chances to the people around you. And you believe the best about them. What, what if we took this a step further and believed that every single person that we encounter had the potential to surprise us? This would change so, much, so many of our encounters every single day. I even believe that you could change people's lives by giving them a chance. And I think this would be able to create an opportunity for those that feel isolated by their reputation. I actually had a friend recently uh, tell me that this, this one phrase, he's like, what if we chose to test the reputations we hear about? What if when we hear somebody say something about somebody else, you say like, well, let me find that out for myself. Let me find that out for myself. I recently watched uh, Haunted Mansion, and I don't know if you liked it or not, if you watched it. I loved it. It was a great movie. I also loved the ride, so I was like looking for all the Easter eggs. And um, I had a great time. I didn't watch the Eddie Murphy one, and that's like my deadly sin. Um, If you guys have watched the Eddie Murphy one, everybody loves that one apparently. Um, But my friend... He asked me later, he had watched the Eddie Murphy one, and he had, he had asked me later, he was like, hey, what did you think about Haunted Mansion? I'm thinking about watching it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I loved it. I think it was good. I don't think you're going to like it. 
I just, I mean, if you like the last one, you might not like this one. And so then later, a week later, he comes back to me and he says, I'm so glad I didn't listen to you. And I'm like, why? And he was like, well, because I loved it. It was a great movie. And he was like, why did you tell me I wasn't going to like it? I'm like, I don't know. I, I thought, I thought, I assumed. But he had to go and figure that out for himself. You see, the amount of filters and, and, and people that inform everything that we do, it's crazy. Information travels so fast. And yet for my friend, it was just so much easier to go find out for himself if this was a movie for him. What if we wanted to go find out for ourselves who people were? I think this would reduce so many filters in our life. I want to leave you with this, with this last thought and this last story. During those few years that I told you about during that camp, um, I was actually going through a really, really hard time. And in that time, I, like, I'm not proud of so much that was going on in my life. And finally, I was kind of coming out of it. And, uh, and there was a, a youth pastor up in Prescott, Arizona. And this guy, I, I love him so much. His name was Ryan. And I remember meeting up with Ryan, and, and I wanted to work in, in, in their youth ministry and in their, in their uh, youth department and be a part of what they were doing and just volunteer. And I knew what my story was, and I knew what was going on in my life, and I was like, I don't even think this guy would even listen to me. I remember in Prescott, Arizona at Einstein Bagel, and I remember the, the seat that we were sitting at. I just gave my entire story to this guy, unfiltered, vulnerable, just I don't know what it was about this guy, but the way he looked at me was like, I want to hear it all. And so I'm, I'm, I'm telling him everything. And, you know, like when you're getting vulnerable, you're like, oh, did I already go too far? Did I go too far again? I said too much. And, and you're just saying things and saying things. Finally, at the very end, I was like, so that's my story. And he was like, okay, so you told me who you, who you were. Who do you want to be? And I told him who I wanted to be. And he was like, well, then let's get started on that. And ever since then, that, that man has been a mentor in my life, somebody that I, I keep as somebody that keeps me accountable, somebody that just loves me dearly. He's a big brother in my life. And he changed my life forever because he gave me an opportunity. I believe that's what Jesus did in this moment as well. He gave an opportunity. And if you believe in Jesus in this room at all, or you believe in God, then guess what? You believe in a compassionate God. You believe in a God that gives something called grace. And what is grace? Grace is simply this. It's the concept of getting far more than what we deserve. Getting so much more than what we deserve. I'm telling you, whether you might admit it or not, I'm willing to bet that every story in this room is messy. I'm willing to bet that every story online is messy. And, and we all have our ups and our downs. We all have moments where we were just not perfect. And every bit of our, of our DNA as, as, a, as a church is no perfect people. But sometimes it's so easy to get out there and start hearing stuff about other people and start hearing all the, the mutter and all the chatter from so many different people. And it's so easy to leave this building and see people different than we see them in here. Sometimes it's so easy to see people from other churches differently and maybe put them in one of those molds. 
people who don't necessarily line up with, with you or with me or what we think. But instead, what if we took a step back for a minute and we didn't let their reputation define them? We believe the same thing we should believe about ourselves, that we are not our worst moments, and then look at them and say they are not their worst moments. They are not that one thing. They're complex. They're deep. I think we would find the opportunity to to spread compassion. I think we would find an opportunity in a lot of people to surprise us. So what if we could find time this week to do something like that? To, to bring compassion, to bring opportunity to people and, and give them an opportunity to just show us who they really are. I believe this would begin to break the glass wall of reputation, not only in our lives, but in the lives of so many people around us. And I believe that this would reflect Jesus to so many people in our lives. This, this would be what Jesus did for Zacchaeus. And I believe we could do this for many people in our own lives. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for the story that you tell about us, the story of, of people who are forgiven, that have a path forward. And Lord, I pray for every person in this room right now that probably deals with a reputation. Reputation that they're trying to escape or, or maybe even not ruin. And Lord, I just ask that you instill in every single one of us your value, your worth for our lives. That we could walk out looking up and keeping our heads up, looking more at you this week and who you are and less at some of the things that we've probably done or probably our past, that we could walk forward knowing that we're forgiven, that we're loved, and that our head is up high because of your grace. Lord, thank you so much. And Lord, I just ask for any, anything that this rain and, and tropical storm would become, Lord, that you just protect everybody in our community, everybody in, in the areas where this hurricane might hit. Lord, I just thank you for being here with us. In your name we pray, amen.